and welcome back to the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. My name is Dane from Clarkie's Rugby League Column, and I am joined every week by Blaze from BKR Sport for a Titans podcast that is community-focused with the overall intent to inspire and uplift our community in a manner that's going to positively impact all of us and, most importantly, the club that we all love, the mighty Gold Coast Titans. With that in mind, kick it over to Coast Blaze. Mate, how are you going after two wins? Yeah, got a couple of wins on the weekend, which was great to see. We had, obviously, the men's game, the women's game. You know, even in the Q Cup, we didn't lose. You know, we didn't win, but we didn't but we didn't lose there. So, you know, it's been a great week here for the Gold Coast. If you guys are watching here on YouTube right now, hello. But, uh, obviously, there's a bit of a difference in the background. If you're on Spotify and Apple, just trust that there is a difference in the background. That's because I'm actually here at the Married here on the Gold Coast and Surfers for the week while my mum's here from Fiji for a little bit. So, if there's a few technical difficulties or a few sound issues and whatnot, it's just this. This week, uh, just because we're in a completely different place right now, but I can see in the distance the oh, beautiful, absolutely stunning Seabus Super Stadium in the distance. It's just so great to see that even though you're all the way over here, oh, you can just see a beautiful white stadium in the background where I know we're going to be there on Friday for the Wires game. But yeah, look, I'm looking forward to obviously talking about the games this week. We had a, a cracker time there on Sunday against the Cowboys, which we needed to. And uh, yeah, the beard's off, baby. Oh boy, the beard is off. It's gone. See you later. Never return again. And that's what I was about to say. You know, we get one win and the Prince of Fiji is back. Five-star living, <laughs> beard's gone. He's going to go down and get a massage after this and put those cucumbers over his eyes, all that stuff, you name it. Yes, sir. Uh, he can't wait to get out of this podcast and get into that. <laughs> Let's jump straight into our Titans news segment. Uh, first news we got is unfortunate news. Jojo Fafita, ankle sprain, expected to miss two weeks, largely mitigated by having Aaron Shop there available to come straight into the centres. Don't need to get your thoughts there, but I do need to get your thoughts on this. Tino Fa'asumala'awi is set to open contract negotiations with the club. And those negotiations will extend him another season. Uh, and it will close that contract loophole where he is able to talk to teams for the next three months. So I want to know from your perspective, are you hoping this is, hey, Tino, we love you. You love us. Here's another season. Or deep down, you're a little bit worried Tino's management might say, hey, how about another couple hundred thousand on top? And if that does happen, how does that affect our salary cap from your perspective? Yeah, look, so if people, unfortunately, that last little bit cut out there, who's talking about basically how does it impact our salary cap perspective and all that type of stuff. And I think that with Tino, I'm not worried at all. Like, if you guys follow me on Instagram, you would have seen that I had a photo with Tino uh, the other day saying Titans for life, brother. A little bit of Titans propaganda there for everybody. Uh, but yeah, look, obviously, he's a, he's a great bloke. And I think that he wants to sign here. He wants to be here. Uh, as we spoke about before on the podcast, you know, there is... Uh, there had, uh, probably just his manager has said, you know what, let's just test the market. Let's see what else is out there. You're not going to go anywhere because I know you want to stay here. But the fact of the matter is, is that let's just do the due diligence uh, to get you the best kind of deal that we can get. See what other people are willing to offer you. If it's drastically different to what you're getting at the Gold Coast Titans, then probably we can push that contract up towards that value there from the Gold Coast because he'd probably still want to stay rather than going start somewhere else. So it would just probably have pushed our salary cup up further if that was the case, and I think that's exactly what's happening here. So, yeah, look, he'll probably get a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, a tickle upwards, uh, which would be fine, um, and then uh, we move on. We get past this stupid situation and these stupid no- negotiations. Just keep Tino with our club. Yeah, the only thing I am worried about is you can never you can never trust contract reports entirely on the internet, but News Corp, so one of the largest 
media companies, I suppose, that cover the game and here in Australia do have him at 900,000 this year, going up 100,000 each year until eventually 1.1 million. And I completely understand what Tino's management is doing. Why not conduct due diligence and know exactly what your client is worth? Um, therefore, an increase in Tino's salary would then be an increase in his management's salary, taking their 10% or whatever it might be. So yeah, I completely see what they're doing. I am just a little bit worried. You know, as a front row forward, there's probably a, a limit of how much you can pay. Tino's, AFB, houses, they're right there, maybe up to a million over slightly. But anything too high would just be a little bit... We certainly can't lose Tino, but we certainly couldn't go and pay $1.5 million or something silly like that. Last bit of news we had, Phil Sammy and Brian Kelly both extend their time until the end of 2026. Great for both. We were hearing rumours on the internet that Kelly wasn't going to be re-signed, and we were hearing rumours linking Phil Sammy to the Roosters. Ultimately, both men say, stuff that we want to win a premiership. Uh, so we're re-signing at the Titans, and how bloody good is that? Have you noticed a change around the boys around training game days? No, look, they're obviously still absolutely, you know, built into the, what we're trying to, you know, create on the Gold Coast and the culture. And these two re-signing and Phil Sami and, and Brian Kelly tells you a lot about the fact that people and players are still buying into what this club is trying to achieve despite the issue that we had with Justin Holbrook getting sacked and then Desi Hasler coming in. You know, there was concerns that maybe players were going to leave, like obviously the Tino and Dave situation. But there's been concerns that players might not buy into it and would go considering that Justin was such a nice bloke. He was such a... Uh, he, he really was the kind of guy that wanted this club to succeed. So people bought into who he was, and that's why we've got all these situations here. But now that you're seeing Phil Sammy re-sign, you've got BK there. Uh, you've also got um, Tino. David hasn't even come out and said that he's going to be you know opening contract negotiations or whatnot. Um, you know, so there's just there's a lot of positives right now. And I think that the biggest benefit for me, the biggest positive for me is that Kieran Forum being at this club right now, he knows exactly what Desi Hasler's like. He's obviously able to talk to the boys and say, you know what, I know he gets a bad reputation here. I know that there's a lot of bad things that get said about Desi Hasler. But with that being said, I was actually in it. And I genuinely believe in what he has to offer, and I genuinely believe what he has done. So um, that's the benefit of having Kieran Foran. He said that on the vlog that you guys will hear a couple of interviews on the podcast a little bit later on. Uh, we spoke to Kiza, and yeah, he had nothing but positive things to say about Desi. So yeah, I think that this just shows that these guys are willing to buy in and more will come. Justin Holbrook, a great people motivator. Des has the more of a tactician, a coach that's known for some out outlandish, not really, maybe not outlandish, but some alternative rather um, methods to coaching. And <laughs> You're yeah, trying to find I agree. The most having positive way to say that, aren't you? You're trying to find the most the, positive thing. They have called him the mad scientist and stuff like that before. Um, so he has done some alternative coaching stuff. Um, one thing I can think of was Josh Schuster before he got the sack from Manly Des Asler. He had to motivate Josh Schuster, who was moving to 5'8 under him that year. Apparently, when Josh Schuster went for his morning run every day, he would ride behind him on a push bike and say, come on, Josh, you got to push harder and stuff like that. And it's just such a Des Hasler thing. But yeah, I love the fact that Kieran Foran's here to speak positives to all the boys. No one knows Des better than actuality. Let's jump into our NRLW review. We defeat... Our arch rivals, the Brisbane Broncos, 17 to 16. Our NRL boys also defeated the Brisbane Broncos. So we are 2 0 against our little brother recently. What a game. <laughs> and if any Broncos fans hear that, you know there's just steam blowing out of their ears. But what a game. I felt we were the better side throughout the full 80, but you do have to give credit to the Broncos and their goal line defense. They did 
hang in there tough. They did turn us away. They were really durable. Uh, we then go to Golden Point, and it is Lauren Brown against her former club who kicks the second ever field goal in NRLW history. Mate, how did you see this one? Mate, this was a fantastic game to watch. I thought it was a great advertisement for the NRLW game, the women's game. And I think if you missed it, then you missed out because this was actually really enjoyable to watch. And, you know, you go on Instagram and you see people say, oh, that was a hard watch and whatnot. I think it's just that's just their personal biases against the game and against what they're trying to achieve with the women's game. Because for me, I loved it. I loved every moment of it. I was deeply enthralled in what was happening throughout the game. And I was on stream, obviously, but I was genuinely caring about it. I've done streams of the women's games before, but I never had the same kind of investment that I had behind this game throughout the entirety of it. I thought it was fantastic. The first 10, 15 minutes, I thought we were going to get pumped. The Broncos went bang, bang very quickly. Uh, you know, they've got a really, really, you know, solid team there. And, you know, that center, Hufunga, geez, she's a, she's a big bopper, man. You know, she can really run at the line strongly. And, you know, that it was just some worrying signs early, but then the Titans composed themselves. They went bang, bang through Emily Bass and Ivania Paliti um, and, and got themselves back into the game. And then from there, I thought the Titans were just simply the better team. I, I, I really do. I know that the Broncos were still very solid throughout that last, like, 10, 15-minute spell of the Titans, just attacking the line, attacking the line, attacking the line. Uh, but overall, I thought that we were, we were clearly the better team. Uh, I, I do still say, though, that whoever won that game deserved to win the game, based off the fact of the Broncos' defense on the line versus the Titans' momentum and the ability to just keep on pushing and keep on attacking. So, you know, there is still things to work on for the Gold Coast, but with that being said, we won the game. Uh, we actually took two field goals in that game, but unfortunately the first one in the first half, in the, sorry, in the second half before extra time wasn't that great. Um, but Lauren Brown was able to seal it in extra time, which was brilliant. And it was a nice strike as well, a really nice strike. So, yeah, a lot of positives from this game. Still things to work on, but a lot of positives from this game. And there were still 7,279 people in attendance as well. Yeah, nice little crowd there. That's awesome to see. And for me, what I was really happy about for this one, from my perspective, was it was another way to win. And when you go into the finals race, I look at two things. Number one, which side has won in multiple different ways throughout the season? Because I feel like once you've done that, you're kind of prepared to face different adversities, different circumstances throughout the game. In this one, we had to come back. We had to go to Golden Point. So we get a tick there. The other one I actually learned from DCE through Andy Raymond. He goes through the opening sheet. And he circles, which is an inform because Cherry Evans believes the side that has the most informed players should win the game. And that's something he's done since he started playing in 2011. You look at our side right now, you don't have to circle players for who's informed. You just circle the whole bloody team because everyone is playing brilliant. So from the two key perspectives I look to when we look at finals, and given an NRLW season is shorter than an NRL season, I think we are absolutely ticking those two criteria. So I feel at this stage, we are every bit a premiership contender. Completion rate was up to 76% in this one. Not perfect, but what was it? An improvement on last week. We also only missed 28 tackles to the Broncos who missed 42. Another big tick there defensively. And I feel like most of those tackles would have been in our first 15 minutes or so when we were a little bit off at the start. But to summarize this one, the Broncos played tough and gritty. We had to meet that and exceed that, particularly when it went to Golden Point. And our side was up for that. We all love watching 50 nil, you know, wallopings and stuff like that. But you can't give enough praise when it's heart that gets you over the line there. Couldn't be prouder of this side at the moment. I believe we're every bit premiership contenders, and I'm sure you mirror that as well. 
Mate, absolutely. I, I Well, I said that I thought we were premiership contenders before the season when we did our predictions. I said, you know what, I genuinely believe this team can can win the uh, the Women's Cup this season. And I know that there are teams like the Roosters and the Sharks and, you know, we thought Broncos and Eels. Well, Broncos and Eels right now are in second last in the last position. The Sharks, they're in sixth and the Roosters. They're coming off a loss uh, themselves. So, you know, there is a lot of issues. Like, the team's that we thought were our biggest competitors, competitors are actually getting off to slow starts. And the Tigers, who no one expected, they're the ones on top of the table with a couple of big wins and specifically another one against the Sharkies this week. So, um, you know, we play the Sharks this week coming up. They're going to really be trying hard for a win there considering they've had a bit of a struggle and they were expecting a little bit better from their start. Uh, but overall, yeah, look, I think that we had to be, and that is a great way to define it. We had to be tough and gritty against the tough and gritty Broncos side. And we just, we found a way, you know, and that's what championship teams, and I say this all the time on my streams and all the time on my channel, teams that win games that you can argue they shouldn't have are actually the legitimate contenders for the competition. You know, if you're winning games despite not looking perfect, for example, 76% possession, uh, 76% uh, completion rate, and the fact of the matter is, is that you're doing something right and you're still finding a way despite adversity. And that's exactly what the Titans did. We were good enough, but the Broncos were too. So, really tough game between two good teams there. But the Broncos now are on zero wins for the season so far. So, they're in a bit of a struggle. They're going to start getting up quickly. But, yes, I think we can win the comp this year. Love it. Absolutely mirror it. And I think that, the you know, you hear a lot of people say you learn more from your losses in life than you do your wins. As far as professional sports concerned, just adding on what you said there, when you're not at your best, but you still escape with the win, I think that's almost better than a loss because you know, oh, that was close there. We've got to work on some things. Um, and you go back and you do those things. So really, really proud of this team at the moment. Cannot wait for Saturday when we come up against the Sharkies. Before we get to that preview, we've got to give it our three, two, ones. I'll kick us off with my three points. Georgia Hale. I believe she got your three last week. She gets my three this week. 50 tackles for zero misses. And she made 49 last week, 115 meters as well as that. Unfortunately, and I say unfortunately with, I guess, quotations in this, she did fall one short of the NRLW record, which is held by Samaya Taufer at 51. I would have loved if Georgia had broken it because Cameron McInnes did break the NRL record. So it would have just yeah. been a, an amazing weekend. But three points to Georgia Hale. She could not have done more in the middle there. A fantastic performance. Who gets your three points? Uh, yeah, I'm going to... This happens every single week. You give your three and then I say, yeah, well, I'm going to go the exact same way. Because I think the three is the most... Is pretty obvious. You know, you don't really have too many yeah. changes with the three points because it was clearly the best player in the game. And when you got a talent like Georgia Hale, she had 50 tackles, as you said. Um, in fantasy as well, she actually got the most fantasy points across the game, so it tells you that she's doing enough right there. And yeah, she just is a leader. And this was who I had as my MVP preseason. I always I, I said, I think Georgia Hale is going to lead this team to glory. She's an absolutely unbelievable talent. And just the, she just continues to, to dominate the scene. She just continues to dominate. It. She plays 71 minutes in this game as a lock. 71 minutes. So, you know, that is a, a captain's knock if I ever did see one. And there's no way that she doesn't get the three points. Now, for the two points that I do go, I'm going to go a little bit out of it here because I could easily go with Shanamato, but I'm actually going to say Jessica Elliston. I thought Jessica Elliston, when she was on the field, was absolutely barnstorming. And the only reason she went off late as well is because I think she had a HIA there. Uh, but Elliston, she, she scored a try. Every time that she had the ball, it was dangerous, man. Like, it was it was dangerous. And I just think when you're looking at teams right now, 
our forward pack is dominating. Like our forward pack of Georgia Hale, Riley Jorgensen. My goodness me, the hits that she would put on was absolutely outstanding. Shaylee Benton has been having a fantastic season. Jessica Elliston, Brittany Rowley-Nardi, and Shannon Marto. But mix that in like a Harry Grant um, Harry Grant and Ben Hunt situation with Brittany Rowley-Nardi and Lauren Brown. I'm telling you, we've got a really, really damn well good forward pack. So... Uh, yeah, look, I've got my number uh, two points goes to uh, Jessica Elliston, and but I could easily go with any of the four pack there. Yeah, I, I went with Shannon Marto for my two points, who gave the try assist to Jester's score that you love to see your front row forwards combining. Shannon Marto had 236 metres, and it's tough to single someone out like you did because I thought all of our forwards did lay a platform. Her and Jess just had powerful hit-ups that really got us out of, you know, we were defending our goal line. And if we didn't have these powerful starts to sets, maybe we do fatigue under the goal line uh, pressure and eventually do concede tries. But our forward pack did such a great job of driving us up the field, creating that momentum so we could get those good kicks away. So I've gone two points, Shannon Marto. And my one point goes to Lauren Brown because she did kick not only the match-winning field goal, she also had 27 tackles, but also only the second ever NRLW player to nail a field goal in Golden Point. So had to go Lauren Brown there for my one point. Who gets your one point? I'm going to go a little bit of skew here as well because, as I said before, like you could easily go with any of our forwards there and also a lot of our back line, but I've got to give it to Riley Jorgensen, who was, I believe, on debut. or It, yep. it didn't seem like it, but I think that's what the, the commentary was saying. She was unreal when she came in, man. The, the hits that she would make was absolutely phenomenal. You know, I, Actually, to be fair, Shannon Marto does deserve a 3 to one here, but I just think that to go away from the pack a little bit there, Riley Jorgensen, when she came on, she was absolutely... Absolutely dominating. She was making some huge hits. She was getting us some repeat sets as well with her hard chase downs into the goal line. Everything that she did really encompassed that tough and gritty nature of what this game represented. And I think that having players like her there is what really ultimately got us over the line in the end because she was not scared of throwing her body at the line, son. She would throw her body at the line and it just wouldn't matter. So, yeah, Riley Jorgensen, I'm going to give her the one point. But Shannon Mato, you've got to get an absolute honorable mention to her as well. Yeah, it's so tough to pick out the three two ones this week because, as I said before, you could highlight the entire team as being in form at the moment. Jorgensen was so impressive on debut. Uh, 20 tackles on the stat sheet, but the effort involved in those tackles to get there for some of them, that's something you can't put into stats there. Let's jump into our NRLW preview. We're against the Sharks at Saturday, 3.10 p.m. We're at Points Bet Stadium in Sydney. Just scrolling through the team list while you were talking there, I can see Jada Taylor is still out for the Sharks. So Andy Robinson moves to fullback for them. I do not believe she's ever played fullback for it at NRLW level. Amtonic does return for them at 5 We know what she's capable of, a very, very dangerous player. As for our side, the only really key thing I can see is Thuy Mayono has dropped out of the reserves completely. So it's, uh, well, it's not unlikely. She won't be available this week at all. So fingers crossed that nothing's changed to that ankle injury and it is still considered somewhat minor. We can get her back soon. But apart from that, our side looks pretty much the same. Zara Canfield starts again at back row, which push, pushes Riley Jorgensen to the bench. Of course, she had to keep her place in our lineup. My first thoughts here, Blaze. I hate how the NRL and NRLW games overlap. I wish we could find a way that it was just footy game after footy game after footy game. Maybe I'm too obsessed. The corresponding game in the NRL is actually the Cowboys and Broncos, which everyone knows is a great rivalry. Everyone says you can't miss it, but I will be missing it because I will be watching our women's side. Absolutely. Sharks come into this game with a 1-1 record. 
But I look at both sides in recent form, and I think we're better in every area than the Sharks this year. Do you see it that way as well? Yeah, I'm really excited for this game. It's it's really unfortunate because obviously with my channel name, I do have to stream that Broncos Cowboys game. But like, I'm going to have this on the side here and watching it as well because I can't miss it. This is a, a, a game between two teams that really do look exciting going into this year. And then the Titans have come out with a two and two record. The Sharks have one and one record. This is at Sharky Park. You know they got the likes of Tiana Penitani, who was an absolute dominating centre there. She was with Parramatta, uh, helped them to the grand final. You know you got Emma Tonegato who was the best player last year. Absolutely unbelievable there. And this Sharks team has been so desperate for... They're, they're actually one of the ones who tried to initiate the NRLW, but unfortunately didn't get a spot. So, you know, this Sharks team is really, really desperate for uh, a win to kind of bring them back up to it. And I just don't think that they're going to be able to do it. I think this Titans team is going to be able to get the chocolates here when you've got the likes of Ivania Politi, who we didn't even mention. He's currently top of the Dallium, you know, leaderboard. Mm. She's currently top of the... Uh, leaderboard with, I think, nine points at the moment. So, you know, you've got Peliti there, who didn't even have her greatest game against the Broncos, but still got points because she's that good and scored a try in that game. You know, I am uh, really happy with our forward line there. I'm really happy with our bench. Uh, obviously, yeah, look, it, it sucks that Talia Fuimaono is not in the in the team right now, but I think Sienna Lofippo did a plenty well of a job. I thought she did a job in that game. And, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I, I don't know if Lauren Brown is going to start in the hooker because I think they're going to really utilize her in, like I said before, that Harry Grant, Ben Hunt situation where you can have Brittany Brownlee-Nardi on the field and Lauren Brown comes on or Lauren Brown uh, on the field and Brittany Brownlee-Nardi comes on. A little bit of that one-two punch there, which I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. And then, yeah, you go and have a look at Georgia Hale in that 13. She's just absolutely dominating. So, Really excited for this one. It is a tough match, though. It is a tough match, despite the fact that the Sharkies have only gone one and one and lost to a brand new team last week. It just seems the Tigers are the real deal this year in the women's game. So, yeah, this is not an easy one, but I've got us to win this one for sure. Yeah, Tigers are looking good at the moment. They're the only side that's above us on the ladder at the moment with four and against. Yeah, for me, when I look at this one, I go to the Sharks, and their best strength is their forward pack, particularly Ellie Johnston, who's a powerful prop there generates that momentum in the middle and that allows the likes of Quincy Dodd to get out of hooker and really create for them. Great for their outside backs through Tonicato. I think as far as we're concerned in this game where our strength needs to lie is just focusing on a really high completion rate and eventually I think in conjunction with that and us playing our natural game which nullifies their strength being their middles we will break them down and so I've got a bit of a bold prediction in this one from minute 55 onwards I think we will score more points than the rest of the game combined from both sides. And I really see us running away with this one late if we can keep that completion rate up high. I just think our middles are going to work them over and that's going to create too much opportunity for us. So with that in mind, I've got to tip us 13 plus, but I do think it should be close up until half time with us just really running away with this one late. I want to get your final prediction on this game, please. Oh, yeah, like you made a convincing point there in regards to the fact that we probably did come over the top of them late. I think the Sharkies have enough uh, talent there to keep it close early. And just a quick question, Kiana Takarangi, is that uh, the sister of Brad Takarangi? Mm, not, not sure off the top of my head. I'll have a little look and see if I can find out. 
Yeah, because obviously Brad used to play for us, if people don't know that, uh, and played for the Eels and whatnot. So it's just an interesting little side fact. But uh, yeah, look, I think the Sharkies have enough talent to keep in it, but I do think that our forwards are going to be the dominating factor in the end. And I do think our, our halves can get us the, the job done in regards to putting us in the right positions. I don't think that Emily Bass, despite scoring a try, had her greatest game against the Broncos. So I think that she's going to really come out here and prove herself again because she is an elite winger. She's a great winger in the game. And I think our back line's really going to get the job done. So I'm actually going to agree with you. I was going to, I was coming into this podcast going to say 1-12 to the Titans, especially at Shark Park. But I just think that our team has the talent. I think that we've got the better fullback. I think that we've got the better wingers. I think when it comes to centers, it's probably a little bit closer. But I still I back in Jamie Chapman and Niall Williams-Guthrie, who also had a fantastic game. Uh, in regards to the halves, Lafipo and Kiriaratu, Taylor Preston and Emma Tonegato. I think Tonegato really does pull that one up there with the experience and the fact that she's one of the best players in the game. So I will kind of lean with them on that one. But I still don't think that our 5'8 and halfback is getting slammed there. Our front row forwards of Ellison and Marto over at Johnson and Saunders for me, 100%. Lauren Brown and Quincy Dodd, 100%. Um, you know, back row, Shaylee Bent and Zara Canfield, Vanessa Foliaki and Talai Holmes. I still take Zara Canfield and Shaylee Bent. And then I definitely take Georgia Hale and Brooke Anderson. So I do think we come over the top of them in pretty much every area. I do. And then look at the bench. Like, Seth Hancock, she comes on. She fires his team up. Riley Jorgensen, who got my one point before. Danny Parosi. Like, this is a great team. So, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. 13 plus for me. And to tie in that, uh, I guess, analysis from you there of the team lists, if you go to what I was saying before with the finals perspective, who has more informed players, we certainly win that as well. For what it's worth, I did look it up then. Kiana Takarangi is the sister of Brad, and their father, Lewis, yeah. also played three games for the Eels in 1987. And fun fact, she's also played for the Los Angeles Temptation in professional soccer in the U.S. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Look, a bit of a... look at us go. Side notes. <laughs> we are learning. There are side quests <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> we are learning. It sounds like this is a school. Finds point to educate you on who has played in the Legends Football League over there in the US. You never know what you're <laughs> going to get on this podcast. Let's jump into our NRL recap in our previous game. We defeat the North <laughs> Queensland <laughs> Cowboys <laughs> 22 <laughs> to 13. And well, it was one of those games where I got my prediction wrong but I've never been more happy to be proven wrong because we really needed a win. We didn't want to lose five in a row. Our boys showed a lot of sport, uh, spirit. But in this sport, you just never know. You think you know, and then this sport shows you why it has a salary cap and why it is truly unpredictable. I will say this. Cowboys were far from their best, just like the Broncos were when they played us early this year. But that's not our responsibility. That's completely out of our control. How the other team plays does not affect us as a club. I know their fans like to use that as an excuse, but it's like, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to say, oh, they're not playing very good. Let's just not play very good as well. Of course, we're not going to do that. That's completely your fault. I could be more happy, Robert. I know you were at the venue, mate. So how was it? Was the crowd pumping? Oh, the crowd from where we are is pumping. You know, for 100% in the front line, we get crazy, man. We we get crazy. And, you know, if you've watched the vlog, you know just how much we absolutely pump it up. My voice still feels it. You know, I, I do put everything I can in. It exhausts me for the next two days afterwards. Uh, just because of how crazy we do get there. But yeah, look, the atmosphere was great. Um, there was 17,000 people there or so. It was just, uh, it was a great time simply because, you know, you go and have a look at 17,000. I remember the days where it was 16,500, it says, 
Uh, but I remember the days we were getting like 5K, you know, 6K. So 16,500 is definitely an improvement, especially when this is actually quite a consistent this year. Like every, I don't think we've gone under 12K or 11K all throughout the season so far. So that's been really fun to see. Uh, I just thought that we were better. Yeah, I thought that, it, look, we went down early with Semi Battleman coming here scoring for the Cowboys. But outside of that, we just did look the better team, you know, especially when we had AJ as the center and JC as the fullback, as we spoke to JC during the game. Oh, after the game, sorry, not during the game. I wasn't, well, I was talking about it during the game, but not in regards to this. Um, you know, yeah, look, JC was saying, like, I think that we're a better team when we have both of us on the field, and I agree with him. I, I do. I thought it was great. Obviously, Alofiana Kampera broke the record as well for the Gold Coast Titans in regards to tries scored, um, which was great in his rookie season. And Tanner Boyd doesn't miss, babe. You done miss. So yeah, look, I'm I'm very happy with how that performance went. I think we both uh, went into the game obviously tipping the Cowboys, and that was look. If people have a go at that, it's like in hindsight, you, well, you'd be a hindsight hero because the Cowboys had won six straight going into our game. We'd lost four straight going into that game. We just come off the back of an absolute humiliation by the Roosters, who then got humiliated by the Broncos, and the week beforehand got humiliated by the Storm or whatever it was. So in between those two games. The Titans got humiliated by a team that got humiliated twice there and there, um, whilst the Cowboys were just coming in pumping teams, you know. So you know, it was it's a very obvious one to look at and say, you know what, we're probably going to lose this one, but let's hope for the best and let's hope that we get the job done. And guess what, baby? The Cowboys fans that were giving me, you know, nonsense for the first 40 minutes of the game, they didn't even, they weren't even there for the last 20 minutes. They literally left with like 15 minutes to go. So yeah, really happy with that one. Now we're still alive. Hey, I'm going to give you my percentage now because we've done this every week. I originally, we, I gave you 5% last week. It's up to 10% now, Clarky. It's up to 10%. Nice. Doubled. You know, I think too, when, when you talk about our prediction being wrong last week, we want to keep it real on the podcast. We don't view saying the other side should win this as a negative shot at our club. It's just our analysis of the game. We're not saying who we want to win. We're just saying who we think should based on our, I guess, footy knowledge and what we've been seeing the last few weeks. And, you know, the other side of the coin is if we're just tipping Titans every week, then you guys are going to say, well, why should we believe we're going to win? You always say us. So we want to keep it honest with that. Um, and the other thing is, I think this is probably a natural point for us to include the interviews you referenced before. So we'll pause the podcast and close in here. And I just want to what players have for you because with the whole CBA things, they're actually been instructed, no media, no interviews, no nothing. And the fact they are still speaking to you shows not only they respect you, but they respect our community and that our community loves your YouTube as well. So we'll pause here. And add in those It doesn't miss. No, it miss doesn't. Right. I mean, it doesn't go on the floor. No, no, when you miss, it doesn't mate, we just won the game. How are you feeling after that one? Because that was something we needed. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we talked we talked about it all week. We wanted to bounce back, and um, we definitely did that. And, yeah, it was just a good gutsy performance. And we're very happy. How do you feel about the fans tonight, mate? You know, we had 16, 17,000 people here. We gave it our best go. How does it feel for the boys getting the support from everyone here? Yeah, we can definitely hear you tonight. Massive crowd. It's, it's so good. You know, we definitely feel it in those, in those tough times. And, um, yeah, just loving it. We've got another job on Friday night. And can't wait to have you all here. Mate, I know it's game by game right now, but we're only four points out of the eight. Are you still holding out hope that we can slap a good run home? Yeah, definitely. We're going to take a lot of confidence out of that. And we did some good things and plenty to work on, though. And that's the positive we're... And then we get some boys back as well coming through. So um, yeah, it's positive signs and we're just going to keep going. JC, we've just won a game that we needed to win. We're still in the hunt. And there was a bit of chopping and changing with you as well, mate. How are you feeling after that one? 
yeah, good. <laughs> so, but yeah, I feel really good. Yeah, really good. Hey, we need to bounce back from last week, and we have three home games on the trot here. Do you feel like we still have that slight opportunity to make the A, despite the fact it's really hard? Oh yeah, depending on other results, but um, I feel like if we just keep doing what we're doing, we've got a really good chance. Did you like how it worked out today? Obviously, you know, you went to fullback, AJ moved to centre. Did you feel like there was a bit more rhythm in the team? How did you feel? Yeah, it was different, obviously. Um, yeah, with me and AJ both out there, I feel like we're a better side, but um, you know, depending, uh, it doesn't matter what happens, as long as, long as we keep sticking to what we're doing, we'll be right. Mate, we've got a two-point slubby work. We've been working hard, man. We've been working hard this place, you Randall. Mate, we just absolutely came home firing against a good form team of the Cowboys. How are we feeling? Yeah, it's good. Um, it was a good little bounce back after last week. We were pretty disappointed and, um, yeah, it was a good turnaround and for the home fans too, so it's back at home and it was a good, tough, gritty win and uh, I'm really proud of us, it's good. Mate, they're on form, you know, we're out, yeah. only four points out of the eight now, but I tell you what, man, you've been playing every position known to man <laughs> in recent weeks. Do you know what position you play or like you no. just kind of thrown in there? I'm just thrown in there. <laughs> I just like being in the middle, there's plenty yeah. happening and I don't know, just do my job, whatever it is. So. Yeah. We're going to get run over, is this Steve? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you Steve, where he is? Daydream. <laughs> we'll have to win everything, but um, we can do it. I'm confident after tonight. Like, You're loving life on the golf course? Love it. Love yeah, it. I love it. Yeah, we love you, brother. We love you. We get a tan in winter. Well, it's the first time he's come onto the vlog as well, mate. He's, he's had a ripper of a game. He's had a ripper of a game. How are we feeling? Mate, pretty sure at the moment, but. Um, we needed that one. Obviously, some tough losses on the on the streak, but now we've still got a uh, chance for the we? Uh, do you think, reckon we still can get in? Oh, look, whilst ever there's a chance, we're going to be fighting for it. You know, that was the goal at the start of the year, and nothing's changed for us um, as a club. So, yeah, we'll just take one week at a time and um, build on, on this performance tonight and hopefully uh, get ready for the Warriors next Friday. How have you been adjusting to life on the Gold Coast? Obviously, you're here now. You, you've been playing some fantastic footy, man, and now we're you know back into that hunt, like I said, and you had a great game. How are you adjusting to life on the Gold Coast? You love it? We love it, mate. Yeah, we love living here. Um, you know, it's a great spot. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been yeah, it's been really seamless the transition, and um, yeah, it makes it all the more better. You know, you know, having a great club like the Titans. Um, so yeah, it's just been. It's been good times. Yeah, well, we love you here, man. We do love him here. We, I say it to him every week, mate. I do. Obviously, Desi next year. Yeah. He must be excited. Yeah, look, it'll be great. You know, um, he's, uh, he seems really excited about it. Um, you know, I think he'll, you know, bring a lot um, to this, you know, young footy side. And, um, yeah, I'm sure, you know, all the guys will, will be ready for him um, come pre-season. It'll be a tough one. Yeah, it'll be tough, you know, he's, uh, he's a hard marker and, uh, you know, it'll be good. And following those interviews, thank you very much for those players, they were awesome. Cowboys were averaging 35 points in their last four games. We held them to 13, one third of their average, and we didn't allow them to score from the 14th minute. We only missed 26 tackles all game, far less than our season average of 35. And it's small improvements like this, whether we play finals or not, these small adjustments in our mindset and our, and our application to our defense are going to put us in really good stead for 2024. And I certainly know one man that would have been impressed watching our defensive effort in this one. It's Des Hasler. Watching that effort and that desire, goal line integrity. We conceded twice. We drew a line in the sand, just like our NRLW side as well, actually, conceding too early. And both of our sides, as we said, no more. We are, we are here to defend for each other, and I loved that. 
the points are always going to be there for our Titans side. I know that. I know we can attack. I believe that. So when we show up and show out in defense, that's what I really love. Any final thoughts from me before we get our 3 2 ones in? Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting that there was no point scored by either team for the last 35 minutes of the game, and I thought it was obviously extremely interesting that we didn't give up a... Well, we didn't give up a try. We, we only got one point in 66 minutes as well from the 14th minute onwards, and that was the field goal uh, to Chad Townsend at the 39th minute or 40th minute of the, of the game right on half time. So that means that our defense was absolutely unbelievable throughout these two. A red-hot, red-hot Cowboys team... And it just showed because in the second half, our defense, we had to withstand a lot. We did. And we it just absolutely something that we haven't seen all season, really. I think that the game against the Broncos at Suncourt was probably the most hype that we've been. But I think that this, as an overall performance, was probably our best. I think it really was. Um, I think it was better than that one. I think it's better than other results this year. Because one, it was a do-or-die game. Two, it was at home in front of a packed-out crowd. And three, it was just we needed something like this to bring us together as a collective uh, to show that we do still have that talent and we were going to get five losses in a row and put ourselves into a potential spoon battle there, which we're not going to. Now we're back into the top eight you know, battle there. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think that this gives us some great confidence going into a game where we need great confidence against the Warriors. Like, we will need some significant confidence there, despite the fact we've beat them three times in a row with one of those being 44-0 and the Tanner Boyd speciality last year, Jaden Campbell as well. The fact of the matter is this team's going to be red hot. So, gave us good confidence. Uh, happy for Loffy. Happy for JC as well. And uh, happy for the team and the community, babe. Yeah, that Chad Townsend field goal came by surprise. The previous game, Matt Burton kicked one. Another fun fact for our podcast listeners. That's the first time since round 16 <laughs> in 2008 that a first-half field goal has been kicked in back-to-back games. So, Do I have more history here or random stats guy? What's going on here? Well, that one was that one was by his TikTok there. Yeah. I love random stats guy. He's, he's the man. I'll tell you what, I'll jump into my three points. It goes to Kieran Foran. We've been speaking recent weeks without Tino for us. We require a leader to step up. Who else but Foz? He steps up again. A magnificent game. Two tries. Great, great defense from Foz as well. He was really targeted. Did not take a backward step. I love Foz in this one. He gets my three points. I suspect you're going to go the same way. I've got to give it to the Foz, man. The Foz, no. unbelievable performance from him, truly. And I said this to him at the end of the game. I said, mate, this is probably your best that you've actually played for the club. And although he's had some great performances this year for us, it was his best. It, he just every, it was everywhere. His kicking game was nice. Got a nice little 40-20 in the game as well. Mm. You know, he uh, just everything about what he did it was showing how much he was just so desperate for the win. And I see him at the end of games. And he was like really kind of wobbling after the game had finished. And I said to him, oh, mate, you got a bit of a limp there. And he goes, I limp all the time. And it just shows how much he puts into this game. And people don't recognize that. You know, it's very easy to criticize and, and sit back and say, oh, you know, these guys get paid millions of dollars to play a game they love. It's like, yes, but with that being said, it's a small time frame. And also they do impact their bodies very, very significantly. You know, again, I see Fossil Diamond, I see him limping because that's how much he puts into this game. So he, for me, gets the three points absolutely. Um, my number two, I'm going to have to give it to Loff. You know, Loffy uh, made like three line breaks in the game, obviously broke the record as well. Um, you know, just every time, he actually had an assist, I believe, as well. 
Uh, I just thought he was a, he was fantastic in the game, and you know he is still a rookie. You know there are still things that need to be catered out of his game, but the fact of the matter is is that he is up there with potentially getting the most tries in the season with everybody, and that is in a losing team, FYI. Uh, and he's going up against guys like Dom Young. You know, he's going up against guys like Alex Johnston. These kind of big dogs that have been around for a while. So yeah, I'm going to give it to Loffy, and I'm, I'm loving what we're uh, I'm loving what we're doing. Yeah, Loffy moves to equal second on the NRL try score leaderboard for 2023. Uh, what makes that interesting is he he would be second over Johnston. He has 18, as does Johnston. AJ's played one more game. Dom Young has them both covered at the moment with 20 tries. So. Lofiana Kanapura equals second, second outright in average tries per game. Really, really impressive for him. He gets my two points as well. One try, two try assists. You mentioned he broke the record previously held by Dave Fafita, previously held by David Mead, I believe. Fafita broke it in 2021. Was it Meade or was it Donny? It was a winger that held it. It was a winger was that it, held yeah, it. Was it Meade or and was it Donny? Maybe maybe a bit of homework for our viewers. Leave, leave that in the comment section for us to do the work for us, boys. No, yeah. I'm only joking. Um, I'll, I'll see. I'll see. If I, I'll see if I can find that out while, while we continue. But he, he, I know it was previously held by Dave. It's now been broken by Lofi, and I'm not yeah. too sure who had it before, whether it was Don or Mead. But well, I'm very throw, very impressive. Like for this little quiz here, I'm going to throw my guess at Anthony Don. All right, and I'll say Mead. So I won't look it up. I'm on Mead. You're on Don, and our viewers are going to comment and tell us which one of us are right. <laughs> Thousand dollars to the first number. I wish we had that sort of money going on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and my one point goes to Dave himself. Worked himself to a standstill at times. That you know, there were times when he got the ball and he was literally just seemed too tired to um, to have a powerful run. But that's because he did take the most runs. He made the most tackles. Uh, sorry, he needed as well as having the most runs. He made a bunch of tackles and he did break a huge. 12 tackle breaks, which is very, 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 very high. Could have been the highest this round, I believe. I think Jerome Law had 11. So I believe, yeah, Dave broke the most tackles of any NRL player this round. He gets my one point. Who gets your one point? Oh, man, there's three players here that I'm looking at right now. And I also want to kind of put this out there as well in regards to the most tackles for us. I do believe that went to uh, Joey Stimson, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yeah, 42 tackles there for Joey Stimson. Wow. Uh, did have a couple of missed ones there, but the fact of the matter is, is that he still put in a mountain of effort in regards to those. Uh, but the three guys that I'm looking at here is... Uh, we've got Chrissy Randall, for sure. He's definitely a part of it. The amount of you know meters he made for the short amount of runs. He had nine runs for 117 meters. He had 21 post-contact meters with a line break as well. Um, and had four tackle breaks through eight hit-ups. So I really appreciate what he's brought to the game. You know, he and also feed three passes. So he's really getting involved in the play as well. Uh, and alongside that, 40 tackles. You know, so two tackles less than the most tackles for our team. So Chris Randall is putting a mountain load of effort into this game. And he only had the one missed tackle. You go to obviously have a look at David Fafita there. You know, also made the 24 tackles like uh, we were talking about. Uh, but yeah, just his offload, his tackle breaks of 12 is just absolutely ludicrous. So um, he had an absolutely fantastic game. And then you've also got to go and have a look at the big Phil Sam. You know, Philip Sammy there. He had a try. Uh, he got had 21 runs for 209 meters. Had 24 kicking return meters. Post-contact meters of 64 with two line breaks. Uh, and then he had eight tackle breaks as well. Eight tackle breaks and came in for a hit-up as well. So, um, yeah. Look, I love what Sammy was doing. Um, uh, he tackled, tackles made. He didn't have to make a great deal of them, but... 
Uh, let's not look at his defensive statistics there, <laughs> but his attacking statistics were absolutely unreal. So yeah, those three guys, and I, I do think Brian Kelly had a great game as well. But my, I'll go my one point. I want to go Chrissy Randall. Yeah, I think that he had a great game. Yeah, I wanted to go Chris Randall as well, but when I saw Dave had the most meters and the most runs and the twelve tackle breaks, I was like, all right, I've got to give it to Dave. But my honorable mention this week goes to Chris Randall. Absolutely. I love this bloke at the moment. He is our most improved player by a long, long way, I would say, particularly in the last month or so. Let's go around the grounds and look at our Q Cup recap this year, looking at the Bears and Tweed Seagulls next year, looking at our own reserve grade side. Tweed were on a bye this week, and the Bears drew with the Northern Pride 22 all, which keeps them in second place. You usually cover the Bears, so I'll go over to you to tell us how did our Titans players go in this one. Yeah, 22-22 draw, you know, it's it's serviceable. Uh, actually, to be fair, it could work out being all right there for the, the Bears because their points differential wasn't the up to standard with the teams around them. So this actually may, in a really weird way, work out for the Bears. Oh, do you only get one point? Oh, yeah, no, actually doesn't. Sorry, that's my bad. I'm a Muppet. I, I'm all over the place. I'm all over the place. But, um, yeah, <laughs> three points short of the Magpies. For some reason, I thought they were going to be one point short, which would have kind of helped them. But, you know what? Just ignore me. You know, that's just what everyone should do. Uh, but Kenny, uh, Keanu Kenny had two tries, 151 metres. Uh, Tony Francis had two tries, 168 metres, which was the most of any Bears player. Yeah, Kenny Mamalo with 16 runs for 140 metres, 65 post-contact. Thomas McKayley, 142 metres and 29 tackles for zero missed. And the big Jacob Arlick, who we've obviously seen in Titans colours this year, was still begging for him to get another opportunity. But he had one try, four tackle breaks, and 124 metres. So, yeah, we had some really good players there for the, the Bears this week. Uh, unfortunately, they can't get the win there. At least that does mean that they don't have to think about the points differential battle with the Seagulls, as in Winner Manly. Because uh, Winner Manly Seagulls are on 28 points in third uh, with a plus 174 differential. The Bears, who are in second place, they got 29 points, uh, so they don't have to think about that anymore with a plus 120 differential. So if the Bears are any chance, any chance to go and... Uh, get the minor premiership this year, they would need the the uh, South Slogan Magpies to pretty much lose from here on out. Because I think there's only there's only three games left. So they would need to lose two of those games. And the Bears have a really tough game this week coming up against the uh, Winamanly Seagulls, I think it is. Yeah, and, and it is at yeah, Kugari Oval in Brisbane. So yeah, really big game there, which will probably define who gets second and third. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big week for the Bears this week. It was a great week for all of our Titans players last week for them. So, bravo. Well done to everyone there. Keeping their name in contention for, you know, spotting this Titans. Just quickly as well here, just quickly as well, the Pride with that draw actually went back onto the normal point system. So, they've actually had a draw already this season. Yeah. And now they're back onto the the normal point system with a 22, which puts them into the top eight. So, that draw there really did help them out. And their points differential is minus 93, which is absolutely horrific, considering the Blackhawks underneath them at 59, Falcons underneath them at 56, who I think Pappenhausen's playing for this weekend. Should be a huge one. Um, The Devils, the North Devils on plus 41. So uh, they go away for the Blackhawks and Falcons and just got to watch out for the Devils. And overall, that's a huge result there for the Northern Pride. And they're just two points below the Tweed Seagulls now. And that's what shapes up for this next week for our reserve grade sides. The Bears are up against the winner, Manly Seagulls. Winner of that could quite literally determine who gets second spot and therefore a home final. And Tweed, our other feeder club, are up against the Pride. 
So looking for a bit of revenge there for our Bears. And, of course, they're in seventh position, so a loss to the Pride there could really threaten their top <laughs> I there. just said, throw um, this out here, man. The Tweed Ed Seagulls and the Burley Bears, there's no love lost between them. They don't like each other. So although the Seagulls want to win that game, I don't think they care about the Bears. <laughs> they don't, I don't think they're going to care about the Bears. Those two teams don't like each other. Yeah, no, they're certainly not, um, you know, like they're not joined or anything. I'm, I'm more, I guess, speaking from a biased Titans perspective, can one of our feeder <laughs> clubs get some revenge for us? Um, not certainly for each other. But yeah, big week coming up in Host Plus Cup there. Q-Cup will recap those results and tell you how all our Titans players went next week on the podcast. Let's jump into our current injury list. Nice and quick one. Tino is still suspended until round 24. Jojo for feeder, ankle sprain, expected to be available round 25. Jimmy Jolis' hand injury has been pushed back one week to round 25 also. And we all know Bo Firma is, uh, will be back next season for us from that ACL. Our team list review, one simple change. Aaron Shop comes in for the unavailable Jojo Fafita. Not really a change we need to dissect. I think we both can see exactly what's happened there. So let's jump into our preview. We're against the Warriors. We're at Seabus Super Stadium. Friday's game. I'll start with this one. Who could forget our last encounter with the Warriors? I believe it was over in New Zealand with a Tanner Boyd field goal ceiling. What would really be a famous victory? Because I was watching that game and I was thinking, what a crappy way to finish our season. This sucks. I never turn off games, Blaze, because I did once when we first Melbourne in 2017. And I believe it was Conrad Harrell jumps up and bats it back for Kane LG. Whoa, that, I was at that game. Yeah, the one at Suncorp, the doubleheader. Yeah, yep, yep. It was at Suncorp. Yeah. That was the only time in Titans history I've ever turned off a game because I was so frustrated. <laughs> and when I turned it back on, I was like, oh my God, we're, we're about to win. And so I'll never do it anymore. But this Warriors game, I was very close to it. I thought, you know, last game of the season, this sucks. Been a long year, but our boys made sure it was worth sticking around. And of course, I would love another result like our last one against the Warriors. But they are a really tough side this year coming off a of bye. I believe they're one and one coming off buys this year. They have opened as heavy favorites as far as the betting market is concerned for people that follow that. And I probably view that as a fair assessment based on their season this year. That being said, they have dropped a couple of games this year. They probably shouldn't have lost to the Roosters and Knights. And if you do go through the Warriors draw this year, it has been pretty favorable. They haven't really had to play the big sides more than once. Overall, they have been very consistent against these lowly ranked sides. But I do view us as a side that have probably underachieved this year, and I probably do view us a bit higher than the sides I referenced there. Yeah, look, I, I look forward to Warriors games every year because usually we it's a run kind of deal with this team. Like We originally, up until about 2000, the end of 2010, we had a really good record against the Warriors, and we actually knocked them out of the semi-final, my favourite ever game at Seabus. We knocked them out a close encounter there, semi-final, which put us through the prelims in 2010. And that was actually our last ever home final game. Right, so that was a huge one there. We've got a bit of history with these, this team because the Warriors then went on like a 10-year damn well streak against us. Like we'd win one, I think we won two games in 10 years against the Warriors. It was horrific. Every time we played them, whether we're good, we're bad, they're good, they're bad, doesn't matter, we would always lose that game. And then 2021 comes around, and the first game of the season, I think it was a a close loss there because it was it was in Central Coast. I remember it was a close loss, like eighteen ten or something like that. 
But then since then, we've actually gone three straight against them. We've beaten 44-0 to get into the finals in the end of that year. That was a famous one for our club because we needed to win by 11 points to go above the Sharks to get into the eight on the final day of the season. And we did. We won 44-0 there. That was the Matt Lodge game. Muppet, man. Can't believe that guy happened. Uh, and then the game after that, obviously, was the really, really hot day at Seabar Super Stadium, where it was like 20 to 18. You know, we came through an absolute belter, but it was like 38, 42 degrees in the stadium. Absolute belter, melter. And then we had that game over there in New Zealand, where Tanner Boy kicks a field goal, but Jaden Campbell put on the heroics to get us back in, down 14 points with like eight minutes to go, or five minutes to go. Uh, so we've got a bit of history with this team. And this is at 6 p.m., which is prime time for New Zealand. Obviously, most of this crowd is going to be absolutely worries. You know, I think we've got 26,500 tickets or 26,000 tickets already sold. We're actually giving away four double passes on BKR Sport Instagram. So if you guys want to try and get a ticket to that, then go check that one out because you're not going to get tickets anywhere else at this point. Um, but yeah, look, obviously, I think that we have a chance to win this game. I'm actually somewhat confident, especially after that Cowboys game. I'm feeling we might be able to get into a bit of a rhythm. If we win this game, we play a Sharks team next week that, you know, is doable right now, especially with the loss of Will Candy. Um, you know, we can start really making a, a statement here. So, look, I know the Wires are, are looking the goods and they're exciting, but I also know that they haven't beaten a Panthers, a Broncos, a Rabbitohs, or a Storm this year. And no, I'm not comparing us to those teams but it does mean that this team's not perfect at the moment. They're not perfect. They're good, and they look great, but they're not perfect. So that means that I think there is a little bit of an in there where we can target that and say, you know what, you're probably you know, due a loss. You're coming off a bye. That hasn't helped every team this year. We might be ready to rock and roll despite a short turnaround. Might be ready to rock and roll here for a big one. So, got to look to lock down Shawnee Johnson. He's the big one this year. He's having an absolutely extraordinary year. And just on that as well, I wouldn't say it's a career year, but it's not like 2011 when it was based on speed, elusiveness, and his, you know, pace and just being crazy. Now it's about his experience, it's about his decisiveness, and it's about his, you know, just general footwork that really puts him onto the front foot rather than the elusiveness, right? So uh, I think that this is a big game here for, for both these teams. If the Warriors win, they've probably locked up a top two spot for me uh, because they've got a pretty easy draw after this. Um, but for me, if we win this game, I, I actually would bump us up to a 25% chance to make finals. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm starting to believe because I do think if we win this one, then it's two in a row. We can chain that into the Sharks win. Then we're looking at three in a row. We start to come up either side of the Storm or Pan. I'm not sure exactly, but we have a tough game after that. But we, we would have that confidence. For what it's worth, I did get up our entire history against the Warriors while you were speaking. We did lose our first two games to them in 2007. We then didn't lose again until 2011. Yep. But then we didn't win until 2015. We got one win <laughs> over in Auckland. They then beat us all the way until 2018. We got one win on the Goldie. A bunch again. 2020, we get a win. I lost to them, though, was 2021. We lost 16 to 19 in Gosford, like you said. That uh, yep. crowd of only 3,700. Last time we were yeah, against them at home. COVID was around then. That was why it was such a small crowd. Oh, of course. My apologies. I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> that <laughs> I've done that on another podcast as well. I said, I can't believe they had such low crowd attendance. What happened? And my friend said, it's 2020, dude. Uh, oh, it's yeah. embarrassing. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> let, let me get back to what I'm saying here. Uh, we had 13,481 last time we played them on the Gold Coast. And I think we're going to beat that crowd record. And I really hope if anyone's listening and they're thinking about going, they do try to get a ticket in some way to get there and support our team. Having won last week, I'm going to tip us. I'm going to tip us to take some it. confidence from that and finish the year strong, like we have done in previous seasons. 
they are close to full strength. In fact, I think they are full strength. They might be missing only Morata near Corday. So I fully expect a close one here. Oh, he's named. He is named. But they are full strength. But what I would love to pull around early to the likes of Alofiana Kantrera and Phil Sammy really push for those overlaps and pressure the Warriors through the scoreboard. Because I do feel if we try to get into a traditional game of footy with them, where you, we quote-unquote, we win the middle, we spread it on third and fourth and play our sets there, let's have a high completion and kick to corners, I think we lose. Because that's the Warriors' bread and butter. The likes of Adam Fanua Blake do generate that momentum for Sean Johnson to pick and choose his moments to show his class. A huge focus must go on that man, Sean Johnson. Really, just whatever side of the ruck he's on, maybe even having an extra number, uh, because I do feel that their 5'8", Luke Metcalf, is more of a running 5'8", than a passing 5'8". And so if we are bringing that extra number onto Sean Johnson's side, particularly watching for Chance as the back option there, I think we can shut them down defensively like that. So my official prediction here, I'm going to say the Titans by two points. Tanner Boyd's goal kicking is going to be the difference. I know he's dif- he made the difference last time through a field goal. This time it's going to be through his conversions. He will not miss, as you like to say. Uh, so I'm going to go Titans by two. <laughs> Titans by two is my official pick. Uh, your final thoughts on this game and your final tip, please. Final thoughts, it doesn't miss. It's not that I say it. It doesn't happen. It's not possible, actually. As you guys would have seen in the vlog, when I spoke to him, I was like, oh, he doesn't miss. And Tan was like, oh, no, I missed one today. And I said, well, no, because if you do miss, it doesn't make the vlog. So he's actually never missed a kick on my channel <laughs> He's never missed a kick on my channel before because I don't put it in. So he does not miss. It's not possible. But look, I think that we can win this game. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a absolute a real close one. We've had a lot of close games recently. Besides that Roosters game, Eels was close, robbery. Raiders was close, robbery. Dolphins was close, debatable. Um, you know, then we've got the Cowboys game, which was still nine points. That's still close. You know, every game this year, we, this is the biggest what if season I've ever seen in my life because we've had the talent to win all these games. But we just can't that little bit short or we have those throwaways in the second half or we have a controversial loss due to the officiating. But for me, I'm going to go by four points. Actually, you know what? I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go exactly by two points as well. You know what? I'm going to take a one-point win. And I'm going to say, Tanner Boyd, you know, people keep saying Tan can't kick field goals. Well, absolutely he can as long as he's not being interrupted by an offside chaser because he kicked one the week before against the Dolphins. So... I love what Tanner Boyd's going to do here. He's going to kick a field goal. We're going to win the game. There might be 25,000 Warriors fans in attendance, but you're going to be hearing the noise of 25,000 Titans fans coming from the front line or wherever you are in the stadium. Get loud, because I genuinely believe that we can get up for this game. Ben Cummins, our referee, to note, not a referee that is controversially, I won't say robbed us, but unlucky. (laughs) circumstances have led to our, our unfortunate loss, particularly three weeks in a row there. Ben Cummins has not been one of those referees. So, Benny, I know you're to a big fan fair, of the though, podcast, mate. Do us the I righty. pretty happy with Todd Smith's performance against us because Todd Smith's not usually great with us, but I was pretty okay with it. I know Cowboys fans all claimed Robin and whatnot, which is just ludicrous, but you know, I was I was actually pretty okay with it. I did think there was a Petahiku trip there that should have been called up. And I do think there was, a, a, a like, when we took um, the Cowboys player over the sideline from the short dropout, like, with 10 minutes or 5 minutes to go, I thought the momentum was still going there, so I think that should have been our ball. But overall, I still think that the, the referee was, was pretty solid in our game against the Cowboys. You know, as fans, we always want to question the referees, right? But the facts are that they train for this every single day. They know the rule work better than we do. Um, an example of that was the Philip Summy uh, strip. I was watching with people, and they said, 
how can it how could he have been held the ball wasn't on the ground and i said well because he comes in and touches him first before he strips the ball the referee's interpretation is that there's no movement in the tackle there's a hand on him whilst he's on the ground so therefore he is held you cannot strip it after that point and so i do think a lot of the criticism towards refs um does come from people maybe not knowing the full extent of the rules yeah yeah and and of course when i when i do say that stuff before it's completely uh, a joke i respect the referees absolutely and i think they do a really really good job 99 percent of the time yeah (laughs) and it's the one percent of the time that fans focus on but you know, no, no one gets in the ref game and goes, oh, the ref was brilliant today. We only say when the ref wasn't brilliant. So I think they do face a really, really difficult task in that. But let's jump into our Q&A section. If you would like to be featured on a question on the podcast, there's two ways to do that. BKR Sport on Instagram, a story every week. But the best way is to join the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. Search that on Facebook. It's a group. We are in there talking Titans every single day. Uh, we post new episodes in there, so it's just a good idea to jump in if you can. Our first question comes from Zach Glancy, and he says, who is your Smokey or who is a Smokey for the Paul Broughton medal this year? If people aren't tracking, the Paul Broughton medal is our MVP, our best and fairest player. Smokey options are tough one, Blaze, because I think the front runners are pretty clear. It would be Mo, Tino, and Dave. But the Smokey, is anyone jumping out for you? Yeah, I'm thinking Chrissy Randall. I'm thinking Chrissy. Yeah. I'm thinking Chrissy's been having a great year. He's able to put himself into that nine role. He's able to put himself into the front row, back row. You can chuck him in lock. Great off the interchange. You know, everywhere he just plays, I think this is smoky for sure because especially with Tina missing a few games, you know, Moa is absolutely unbelievable. He is definitely a front runner. And you've got Davey as well. But, like, overall, you've got to really say that Chris Randall's putting a step forward and saying... I want to be at this club for a long time. I want to be playing here. And that's what he says to me every week. You know, he does. He just wants to be playing. And then you go and have a look as well at the likes. Like, I don't think Loffy is going to get it. But in the same sense, like, he is breaking records in his, his debut season. Um, and Phil Sami's been having a great year. But I think that for me, I would look as a smoky, one that probably won't happen, but arguably could happen, is definitely Chrissy Randall. Chris Randall would be my first choice as well. But I'll go someone different to you just for the sake of our listeners. Last year, we won four games all year. We've already run eight this year. I think we'll win some more in this stretch home. So, therefore, we would have doubled our wins. It's a great turnaround in one year. The biggest we change has... We win four games last year. I hope I didn't get that wrong because I'm going to look silly. Or maybe we can edit <laughs> it out. But, no, we did. We only won four games last year. We lost 17 and we had one by our... <laughs> Negative, I never recognised how poor our season was. Like I knew um, our season was poor, man, but I didn't really think it was that poor. Jeez. Yeah. Yep. It was. It, it was that bad. And yeah. But let, let's move on from that. Uh, but the point I make was one of the key changes this year has been Tanner Boyd coming in at seven. Um, and I'm not. This is not a shot at Toby Sexton at all. I wish Toby all the best for the future. But I'm going to offer Tanner as a Smokey for the Paul Broughton. Because a key change in our spine this year has been Tanner. We've already been able to produce double the wins of last year. And I think we'll finish with more than double with this run home. So my smoky option would be Chris Randall. But if I've got to offer someone else, I will say Tanner as an option there. I like it, yeah. Our next one comes from Jaisus Christ on Instagram. And I believe Jaisus had a question before and I did marvel at that, at that username. But he says... Could future centers be AJ and BK being Brian Kelly and AJ Brims? He says, AJ looked dead there, and we saw what BK can do on balance Tefade. 
I'll start this one off, boys. I'm going to say yes, but my answer hasn't changed. It's only if Brimson wants to. I really respect Brimo. He's our stand-in captain when Tino's unavailable. He's been around our club for a while now. He's made it into the Queensland jersey twice at fullback. If Brimson wants to play centre, I like it. I like it a lot. I thought he looked good there last round. But if he wants to be fullback, I think we've got to respect that. So, yeah, it could be our centres next year. I'd like it but also respect AJ and think he needs to make that decision. Do you agree or do you see it slightly differently? Yeah, I'm really close with Brimmer. I'm really close with him. And, you know, we, we speak like all the time after games, you know, he'll drive it to Rabina and whatnot. And in the car, we'll speak about it. And for me, I think that he's pretty happy just to play wherever he's needed. Overall, I think that, look, with, with AJ, he wants to be the fullback because obviously the fullback gets the ball uh, the most, like, obviously, they're a, a key position. They're a spine position. He's got the brains for it. He's got the speed for it. He's elusive for it. He's a great fullback. But with that being said, we have JC there that did look great on the field as the fullback for the last couple of weeks, maintaining whilst AJ's been out with origin or injury. Uh, and, you know, and, and AJ went to the centers there due to the injury of JoJo, and it killed it. Like, they, I know they were starting to... They were still struggling to kind of get the ball to hand a lot as much as they would have. That's because they don't train like that. They don't really kind of put... AJ isn't really in the centers that much, and JC, when he's playing as fullback, isn't usually got AJ there. So they're still trying to tinker with their, you know, uh, combinations and whatnot. But I'll tell you right now, what we saw there when JC had the ball and was trying to get it out to AJ in the centers... We saw some really good plays that might not have come up then, but could absolutely come up in future. And I just think that, as JC said, when they're both on the field, we probably are looking at our best. We probably are. So, yeah, I think that's a, a great opportunity here for this club to utilize AJ as a, full, uh, sorry, AJ as a center and JC as a fullback. I think AJ is okay with it, but I do think that, obviously, in an ideal world, he does want to be that fullback. But sometimes sacrifices do need to be made. I don't think I don't know if that'll be happening. It all comes down to Desi Hasler. You know, it's all well and good that we talk about this now with Jimmy Lenahan there, but overall, it will come down to Des Hasler and what he believes is the case. And I think the way Desi Hasler plays the game, like, has our game, I think he's going to want AJ as a fullback. I think AJ is more of the kind of fullback that Desi Hasler is going to want. But I just think that Des Hasler might move him into, you know, a supplementary 5'8 role, you know, alongside Kieran Form, which I've been thinking about for a while in regards to JC, because we need to find a spot for JC on the field. So, yeah, look, I think that for the time being, they're going to keep AJ fullback with JC 14. If, if things go down and we do have an injury, yeah, chuck AJ to the centers and then you get JC as a fullback. But, yeah, long-term goal, I think that's an idealistic situation. But right now, AJ stays as a fullback. Yeah, and the reason why so much respect for AJ, he has made that sacrifice in the past. Playing faith, we had Michael Gordon at the club at fullback, and Brimo at the time said, "I do fullback is my position. That's what I want to play, but I'll make the sacrifice for this this club." So because he's done it in the past, that's also why. And I can only speculate here, but I look at some of Des Hazard's previous sides at Manly. I think he's going to view Jaden Campbell as his Tom Travojevic, his X factor that breaks tackles and can ball play, and I think he's going to look at Brimo as his Ruben Garrick who's the consistent fullback, then when you need him to go back there, it's going to make a lot of run meters. It's going to be ultra consistent, but probably more suited to a center or a wing for him. I don't think wing for AJ, but I think he'll be center. But that's pure speculation comparing previous Manly sides to our side, and maybe Des sees it differently in the modern game. Who knows? Our next question is NRLW themed. We love getting NRLW questions through. It comes from Rosie Fadol. She says, which NRLW Titans players will be the most influential this year? I started the last one, so I'll let you start this one. Who is your pick or picks? 
Yeah, I think that so far this season, Shaylee Bent's been having quite an underrated season where people aren't really looking into what she's been doing as much as they should. Like she's been really, really good. I think that, as I said before the year started, Georgia Hale was was my MVP shout and still is my MVP shout. You know, I think Jessica Ellison is such an important aspect of this team alongside Shannon Mato. But the thing is, is that I'm going to keep going here. And then there's still Ivania Politi. Like, there are so many uh, integral players here. Even though Emily didn't have the greatest game, Emily Barson had the greatest game against the Broncos. fact of the matter is, she's one of the primo wingers in the competition as well. We've got wing depth as well with Hayley J. Monsall, who can come through uh, back into the team. She's played with us in the past. Um, and she's there right now. But, you know, we don't have to worry about the wing spot. We've got Jamie Chapman in, in the centres alongside, you know, Noel Williams-Guthrie. Our whole team is fantastic. So, yeah, I'm going to go Georgia Hale as I did in my MVP preseason. But, you know, I could literally give you a good shout for pretty much every single team, uh, every single player here. And Avania Polite was my pick in the priest. I would stick with that for our best player. But if you want most influential, I'll look at this a little bit differently. And I completely agree with what you said. We are so strong everywhere over the park. But the glue that holds a good football side together is usually your halfback. And so a lot of pressure does go into Shante Kiriaratu, our halfback. Um, you know, she's still a teenager, I believe. She played for the Queensland Maroons under 19. I think Shante is our 5A. Isn't it uh, Sienna Lefippo, who is our halfback alongside Talia Fuimana? Well, Kiriaratu did start at halfback with Fumayano and she moved to 5'8 last round. So I guess she's played one and one in each position. With Fumayano out, though, I probably view her as our, our, our game manager, our controlling half. And I think she would probably still fulfill that role even at 5'8. Can't say for certain, but in terms of Fumayano, we know she, she's a superstar, but we will need Kiriaratu to really steer this side around. And so I do say she is probably our most influential player for Pakistan. Well, and your outside backs are for the ball to score, but your halfbacks not getting that ball out there and not managing your forwards through the set, then it all means nothing. So, Shante Kiriaratu, whether at halfback or 5 8, I think she will be our most most influential and have the biggest say on how much we win games as we march towards the Premiership. Final question here let's go to a fun one. It comes from Liam Hatch. It says, I lose my voice before half time and I'm tame compared to you, Blaze. How do you not lose your voice? Just to jump in before we get your answer, I agree, man. Every time I go to a game with you, my voice is shot the next day. You know, we start the chance, and, and you always say start them on tackle three, um, because that way, you know, you have them towards the end of the set. Is it just is it just years of doing it? The, the voice is trained to to get to those decibels, or, or what's going on there? <laughs> I actually feel like I've gotten louder this year, to be completely honest with you. But yeah, look, I've got the experience. Like, I've been doing it for 13 years now, uh, ever since I was a, you know, 16-year-old bloke, you know, coming through with long, blonde, stroggy hair. Uh, you know, I've, I've learnt to kind of, I know how to use my voice. However, I do still feel it. Like, I'm feeling it kind of right now, and it's three days after the game. Um, you know, I, I do still... Uh, feel it, and I know that in two days' time, I've got to go again and do it for the Warriors game. But yeah, look, obviously, I know what I'm doing. I know how when to, to start chance and when not to start chance. Like, I, I have criticism of other chance starters and other teams all the time because if you're starting on first tackle, you're not getting through to fifth tackle. Like, I know I will, but I'll be the only one. You want, ultimately, everyone to be joining in with you. So, yeah, I just... I don't know. I, I, I do get scared that maybe long-term into the future, I will lose my voice, like literally. You know, when those people have those, and this isn't like an insult or anything, it's just like a genuine concern. I do get concerned I'm going to need one of those like vibration things yeah. on the on the neck but to, so that you can have like the robot voice. 
because I do really put everything that I can into it. And that's why, you know, when, when people, I got like a few messages the other day from, uh, you know, the, the casual haters online and whatnot who are like, oh, you, all you do is like you sit there, drum a bit and chant. Like, how are you tired? And it's like, man, I put everything of me into those games. Like, I put literally every, especially the home games, but I put everything into me. I'm drumming, I'm, I'm vlogging, I've got kids coming up, I've got people coming up, I've got the atmosphere, I've got to deal with, you know, people, you know, talking down to me from upwards of other teams and whatnot. I'm starting the chance and there's just so much that goes into it. And then when you're on camera, it, it saps a lot of energy. So, yeah, look, it's, um, it, look, I, I can see from the outsider's perspective why it looks insane. And from an insider's perspective, it is insane. But I just got to do my best for my club, my community, and, uh, you know, give us some kind of voice to show that we do have fans. And, and I can tell you right now, this year, people have really started to recognize that we do have fans in comparison to what they thought previously. And yeah, I know that the effort and the passion you put in every week for myself as a TV viewer, mainly due to my family circumstances, is not lost. I can hear it every week. I appreciate it. Um, you know, they're in the front line, supporting our team, putting all the effort in. And I will say, because I can kind of speak from the vlogging perspective, which I've a lot of people don't go to the footy and vlog. I only did it twice, but I did find it mentally taxing, draining energy-wise, having people watching, looking, what's he doing, coming up, trying to get in the background, all that sort of stuff. Well, so, I'll, give you a, um, I'll give you a fun fact for you. When I went to Chicago, and this is something that not many people know, mm. I went to Chicago when I went to the Bulls games, and like inside stadiums, whatnot, I don't care like here, but in Chicago, I had to walk around the United Center, I think three or four times before I would have the you know, uh, confidence in myself to do the vlog, like, to put the camera up there. Because everyone's obviously looking at you, they're looking, oh, what's this loser yeah, doing with this the camera in his face, you know? Like, yeah, like, that's the difference though. The Australian in me was better because they were like, oh, cool, we've got an Aussie here. But, you know, it, it does take a lot of confidence to do and people don't really recognize that. Uh, but with that being said, I'm used to it now. Like, I just don't care. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't care anymore. I might have used to again. I don't care. But that was, yeah, fun fact. I had to walk around the stadium three times before I could even get some bit of confidence to do it in front of everybody. Mm. Now you put everything into those vlogs and we try to put everything we can into this podcast for you all. So that is all we've got time for today. But I want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners, particularly if you've made it this far right to the end. We appreciate you sticking it out here. Show. Hopefully you get out to see Bus Super Stadium this Friday night. Have a great time joining the chance and drumming there with Blaze. And we will see you again next week to break everything down. So it's goodbye from me. Thank you from me. And over to you, Blaze, to say goodbye. Yeah, look, going to be a good one on Friday. It's going to be packed out and need as many Titans fans as we possibly can there. Obviously, you know, uh, if, you have been, if you've gotten to this part of the podcast, we do apologize if it's been a little bit choppy and, and uh, comparatively to normal. Obviously, from next week onwards, I'll be back at home, so it won't be as like choppy and a little bit of, uh, you know, the internet that you can hear from Clarkie's end there. That's my fault, not his, uh, because I'm at the hotel. So, yeah, look, we appreciate you for, for obviously listening in, following along, and, uh, yeah, hopefully, we do see you there on Friday. I do get a lot of you guys coming up and saying how much you're enjoying the podcast. So we do really appreciate you. We, we, I get it every single game now. We have someone coming up and saying how good the podcast is and how much they're loving it. So we do appreciate that. Um, but yeah, if you're on YouTube, like the video, subscribe if you're new around here. Obviously, follow us on Spotify and Apple. And it's going to be... Uh, you know what, Clark? I'm going to say this. I don't want to be seeing no Pukanas this week. All right? I don't want to be seeing no Pukanas <laughs> no this camp. week. No, there's no Pukana camp. Don't do it. <laughs> Over you on the vlog when we score. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I love it, baby. <laughs> uh, um, and, you know, at least for the Warriors, let's end it on this note. At least when you guys go back to New Zealand, you can drown your sorrows with some duty-free, tax-free alcohol. 
you're gonna need 